This is the Ear Hustling Podcast with James and Eric. I am Eric. That handsome gentleman over there is James. And we would just like to say thank you for thank you for your participation in terms of viewing the show. We have a great show. Uh, we just want to get uh, different perspectives uh, from different generations as far as what Black history means. And of course, that could spill over into some, some other conversations. But the primary focus of this particular podcast is the perspective of black history to different individuals. So Mr. Montgomery and I, we have, you know, a couple of very special guests that will be introducing themselves shortly. Uh, Mr. Montgomery, how's things going over there in Atlanta, GA? Man, it's going great. I'm not going to talk about the weather. We already did that. And um, I definitely don't want, yep, see you rolled your eyes. So uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that, that was on camera. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was. Everything's going good down here, man. Um, yeah, just, just ready to jump into this show. I'm very excited today. Uh, for this episode, because as you know, uh, today we make our debut on the scene snobs. Um, as you know, of course, we're still with the great folks over at BS3 Radio. Very excited to still be with those guys. Ben's awesome. Uh, Mitch seemed like a great guy over at the scene snobs. So this is our first episode on the scene snobs, and I'm pretty excited, man. Looking forward to a long lasting relationship with both of them if they would keep us around, because uh, I don't know if you saw. But they both accepted the challenge to do a trivia contest between the two networks. So that's going to be interesting in a few weeks. Oh, I am very interested in it um, as well. We've got some outstanding uh, partnerships with a lot of other different podcasts. And it's just going to be great just to see, you know, the the knowledge that both of them possess. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to the two team captains going head to head. So if Ben and Mick both you know, participate. And I'm just looking to see that that battle of that uh, of the wits, the battle of the brains behind both of these outstanding corporations. So um, I, I wish that me and you could participate. But you know what? Hey, who's smarter between me and you? We both know when it comes to being smart at the mouth, we both are like a plus. I'm pretty shy, though. Um, before we continue down that rabbit hole, I do want to make reference to one quick thing. You may or may not be aware of this. But with the scene snobs, we get to partner up with a couple of podcasts that we've worked with in the past. The Fandom Effect is a part of the lineup. Uh, Carpool Shenanigans is part of the, the lineup. So we definitely got some familiar faces over there. That's for sure. Yeah, we definitely have. They've, you know, had the opportunity to collaborate with us and then us with them. So it definitely is going to bring um, a unique perspective on all of our podcasts, you know, to educate us on some things that we did not know and hopefully you know, everybody will learn a different thing or two from us. Yeah, most definitely. Well, listen, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring our guests in so we don't uh, lose them to some sleep over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because both of them definitely has put up a hard day's work in. So we definitely appreciate the both of you taking time um, out of your busy schedules. Uh, so we actually will we'll, we'll let the lady introduce herself first. So um, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Busola. 
Um, I also live in Atlanta, Georgia, like James, and I'm really excited to be a part of the show. Well, thank you very much. And uh, the gentleman over there, the, the very handsome guy with the clean shaven. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> David Blackwell. I am brother-in-law to Eric and my wonderful, beautiful wife, Nicole. Uh, got me all the way out here in Virginia and Norfolk. So I'm enjoying it. And thank you so much for having me. Well, thank the both of you um, for being here. So the the, the the purpose of the show, excuse me, is just to get a generational perspective on what Black History Month means, you know, to the both of you. And then I'll also be chiming in. And I've also got a couple of questions for my podcast partner over there, James, which I didn't loop him on. So it'd be interesting to look at his facial expressions on it as well. Mm. Um, so you know what, David, uh, we're going to start with you. Uh, your background, uh, you were in the military, so you had a chance to experience um different sort of perspectives. Would you mind uh, just giving us um, a little information as far as like, where were you posted? Uh, what was the the makeup as far as like, you know, African-American to non-African-American? And then what were some of the challenges that you experienced being out there in a super minority um, culture? A super minority culture. Well, initially after I left Detroit, Michigan, uh, back in 87, had gone to uh, Navy, U.S. Navy, took me out to Bremerton, Washington, uh, which if you're from the Midwest, most people think D.C. They don't think that way or excuse me, that way, <laughs> whichever way, Washington State. So getting out there uh, and seeing the world and going to different places was 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 wonderful. But but being stationed in Bremerton. Uh, and as I was mentioning before we, we started to broadcast, it was it, at that time, it was only 3% of the population was African-American. Hmm. So leaving Detroit, Michigan, which is predominantly black, it was, uh, it was a cultural shock. I mean, it was, I mean, to every car pretty much at a stoplight was not what I was used to seeing, you know, coming up and, uh, and seeing the, um, it wasn't as, as overt as, as it can be in the South, you know, where people will literally kind of let you know where you stand, I guess you'd say. Uh, being at the fact that I've come out here, been out here about a year now in Norfolk. Uh, it's been it's been interesting, but but it's only been because with that three percent of the population in Washington state, you had a lot of. Uh, let's say I, I want to say educated uh yeah more of a not that you didn't have uh the blight and the you know the uh, unfortunate things that we see as we say ghetto and all this other kind of stuff it was just the fact that the systemic issues that have always been have always been so it was one of those things where you know you have to um, keep pride about yourself, know who you are. But at the same time, um, during that time, after I got out of the military, I joined the church. And fundamentally, pretty much everything after 1990 uh, was, was entailed in trying to figure out what it was that I was supposed to do as a Christian. 
haven't done it perfectly, obviously, but nonetheless, striving for what God wants me to do. But the thing about it is, is when you see your own people uh, from time to time, because it was very rare, you'd have to have like a big event for you to get a lot of black people in one concentrated area to do something in Washington State. Uh, so it was, uh, you pretty much were, I was around more Filipino, more, um, my goodness, uh, Native American, because that's like every city in Washington is named after a, a Native American person. Uh, so when it came to seeing the Black Museum in, uh, in Washington State, it just was, I, I'm just want to, I'm trying to be, not be too frank, but it's just the issue that a lot of the, when you posed the question to me, Eric, the other night, what did black history mean to me? Mm -hmm. uh, coming up, you knew the George Washington card because you had to, to study. You, 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 but, but in our books, there was only like what? maybe a couple chapters about who we were as a people, but they never talked about the kings or the queens or those that were our ancestors way back when. We talked about civil rights and and whatnot. So I guess what it's, what it's been, I kind of, I don't scoff at the idea of 28 days being what we're supposed to celebrate out of all the months that we have in a year, we get 28 days or maybe 29 with a leap year. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just ridiculous. So, I mean, I think that there's a, um, a lot that could be said. I don't want to take up all the time, but I do have something I do want to share when, when, when we have time. Okay. Um, and we definitely will give you the opportunity uh, to share, you know, some more information. Um, and by all, I'm going to get to you in one moment. But, David, there was another question that I wanted to um, have. So the majority of the population was non-African-American. How did they perceive Black History Month, in your opinion? Uh, it, it, well, you got you have King County. So in any time you hear about Washington State, if you hear King County, that is actually after Martin Luther King. So you have obviously your Martin Luther King Avenue that looks like you know what it looks like you know what i'm saying so it's, it's one of those things where their idea of black history was understanding that there should be an equality in the education and the economic and all those type of things but it, it didn't transfer into any actual action other than the fact that there may have been another proposal that was given for black people to uh, have a little bit more freedom to do this or that, but it was never, it was never anything that, 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 uh, that brought drastic change until our white counterparts got engaged. And because they were predominantly more than us, you had a lot more of a progressive uh, stand because, you know, it's a blue state. So, you know, it, it, but when, when they would engage and get in the battle with it, whether it was police brutality or whatever the case may have been, until last year, because obviously last year everything just went off the scale. But 
prior to that, it was more like, that's so sad that that's happening, but it wasn't enough to, 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 to make any uh, big moves, let's put it that way. Okay, so it was more of a it was more of an empathy thing. Exactly. Okay. All right. So thank you, David, for sharing your thoughts. And uh, Basola, um, your perspective on Black History Month period. Um, and then I've got another follow up question uh, behind that. What is your perspective of Black History Month? What does it mean to you? So for me, Black History Month is just a month not only to focus on the history of Black people, but to also celebrate our culture. Um, growing up, um, I, I grew up South Side Atlanta, so I grew up in a very predominantly Black area. So I remember all throughout middle school and high school, like Black History Month was serious. Like we put on plays, pep rallies, everything. And it was, and we didn't only just focus like on America, we focused on like the whole diaspora. So we did show things like Black kings and African queens and things like that. So every month for me, it's just another way to like, hey, learn more about my people, but also celebrate my blackness. Okay. Um, I've got, well, actually, I thought I only had one follow-up question, but I actually have two. Um, black History Month, I think this year has taken a particularly more special meaning. We have our first um, African-American and first female vice president. So you being a black woman, and then this being Black History Month, right after the inauguration, what sort of impact did that have on you as an African-American woman, knowing that just 60 years ago, you barely had the right to vote. And in such a short time frame, now we have somebody in the second most powerful position in the country. Yeah. So seeing Vice President Kamala Harris during the inauguration, to me, it was just very empowering. Um, because at the end of the day, I feel like there are so many stereotypes about Black women, and I always feel like sometimes because of how we're viewed, sometimes we're limited in what we can do, but I feel like having a Black woman in one of the highest positions in this country shows you that, like, yeah, Black women, we're about business. We can achieve anything that we can, especially if you think about our identities. So not only are we Black, but we're women. So those two, like, marginalized identities can sometimes be a big hindrance and, like, climbing up on, like, let's say your career, because you don't often see Black women, like, being bosses and things like that. So I just feel like having a Black vice president, it's motivation, it's inspiration, just to show us, like, yeah, Black women are bosses, too, like, and we can do anything we set our minds to. Well, definitely. We definitely can. And, and it's just remarkable that just, you know, such a short time ago, that we uh, we didn't even have a black president. Uh, so Barack Obama obviously tore down a lot of, you know, barriers. That was a definitely a surprise win uh, there. But it, it did show that, you know, black people can do anything that anybody else can do because of all of the various inventions that we have came up with. And we've helped progress this country a lot more than, you know, a lot more than history will give us credit for so you know, definitely uh, appreciative. Uh, James, I said that I had a question for you. Um, you being you being of a mixed culture, you know, you're African-American and then you also have like a Polish you know, background. Mm 
um, in, in terms of your family, what does Black History Month mean to you? Very good question. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, I would say uh, growing up, Black History Month to me meant it was the time that we spent studying about um, Black people who did great things in the past. And I say unfortunately because that was the only time we focused on it. You know, it was like the other 11 months was spent talking about other things, you know, and yes, we still may have because I did grow up in the inner city. I did grow up in, uh, in Detroit. So we spent a, a little more time on uh, the civil rights movement, more so than what my son experienced growing up in um, the suburbs of Atlanta. You know, uh, not one single time from grade five through high school and uh, completing high school did they ever study black history even during black history month you know so of course i got a lot more exposure than he did but um yeah it was it was a time to really study that um you know and and, and the history of 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 once again mainly the civil rights movement which also i feel is a is an opportunity we have in our education system because black history is more than just the civil rights movement you know it's more than that um, that's a huge part of it, but there's a lot more to it than that. All right. Very good. And I can see that we have Spencer. Hey, Spencer, how are you? Hey, hey, hey. Can y'all hear me? Yes, we can. What's up? What's up, Spencer? What's up? Detroit is in the house. That's well, right. It was already in the house because David said he can't. He, he was here in the 80s, right? Left here in the that's 80s. Right. Yeah, he was in the, right. in the 80s when we were thugging and bugging. Stuck in a bugger. Now come on, I thought you saved now. <laughs> hey, you know what I am? I am, but you know what? The Lord, He He, he forgives everything. Stuff, stuff. <laughs> Spencer, crack me up. Spencer, uh, one of your favorite quotes. Spencer, I want to get your perspective. Uh, what does Black History Month mean to you? Uh, what is your oh, perspective? God. It means everything because my grandfather considered himself like a civil rights activist. Um, he was from the South. He used to always say, you don't want to go down to Louisiana. That's how he said Louisiana. And down there, uh, it was, I guess, extremely, uh, obviously it was segregated back then, but racist. But he was in the Army, and I think the Army gave him a lot more opportunities to deal with or being, uh, to see more things, do more things. And when he came back, he said that, you know, going through the back doors wasn't good enough anymore. Because, you know, when he went to, you know, he went overseas, he didn't have to go to the back doors. I mean, they didn't have Jim Crow back, you know, worldwide. It was just here in America. And so from that point, he started uh, getting active politically. Where I was in an uh, organization, the Jehovah's Witnesses, we we're forbidding to enter political activities. If we do, it's an automatic, automatic resignation from uh, the organization and they require their members to then shun you and never talk to you, like cut off all communication as, as if you're dead until you come back and like not do the politics or whatever it is that they want you to do anymore. So it was kind of dangerous me riding around with him in the van where he would come get me after school, sticking signs in um, yards, trying to get Kwame elected because you know, at the time, I don't know if y'all know, Kwame was like huge I mean, when he came on the scene, he was the first, not first, you know, because we had Comey Young, we had uh, Archer, but he was young, he was hip, you know, ladies loved him, even though he was married, 
but that's another show I probably. Um, he was just, it was, he brought a lot of black young people into the political service. No, I couldn't vote as a Jehovah's Witness. It's absolutely forbidden. Um, so anyway, make a long story short, my grandfather inspired me. I, it was a lot I couldn't do because I was restricted with my religion. Well, when you had me on that last show, as I told you, I'm no longer you know, with the religion. So mm-hmm. when I started to deconstruct from the witnesses, I started to decide to you know, go to their history like way back in when, like 1800s, 60s, whatever. Because I was always told that they had segregated congregations during Jim Crow, like blacks, blacks went to one church or hall and whites went to another by an older Jehovah Witness mother in the church that I used to hang out with. She would give me stories all the time. I always hang out with old folks, I guess, even as a young kid. But uh, uh, anyway, um, when I discovered that racist history, it changed my life. It made me think like, everything is not what it seems. And, you know, I went through a journey, I can go on and on and on, but I went through a journey where to where I'm at now, where I'm reading books, you know, I, I'm I like Michael Eric Dyson and reading about white fragility and systematic racism. Cause when you're in a, a high control religion like Jehovah's Witnesses, they kind of strip you of your culture. Like you can't wear African central hairstyles, you have to look like white professional people going to the doors. If you notice, we all look the same when we come to your door. Like you could, a guy wearing an Afro, that's absolutely out, but you know, a white person could wear long hair. It was just little things like that, that I would notice. And then when my, my mom moved to the suburbs from Detroit, because it got really bad, it was getting really bad when I was coming up. We went to a hall that didn't accept us. I mean, they wouldn't go out no, door knocking with us. They didn't invite us over. And it to the point where they would have to preach from this podium to, hey, racism is wrong. Let's look at the scriptures is why it's wrong. We just never felt accepted. And eventually they broke that hall up because it's just, they were set in their ways. And I guess they, it was, again, it was just the exodus from Detroit, from the city to the burbs. And they just, it was a, it was a change. So now, fast forward. I'm a, I, I consider myself a baby hotep. I, a li- I'm a little woke. I'm trying to be woke. Uh, I was down with the BLM movement this year, uh, even though I got a lot of slack from white fa- uh, friends and stuff. Like I lost a lot of friends during the Trump administration, a lot. Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, Black History means a lot to me. I went to Martin Luther King High School, so all we learned about was civil rights and Martin Luther King. So, all right. Well, thank you very much. I definitely appreciate your 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 take on that. Oh, thanks. Be- oh. Before you go on, Eric, I just want to throw something in, uh, Spencer. Uh, everything you said was was I was with you on until you brought up the fact that you went to MLK. Um, okay, what you talking my, about, Cass? You went my, to Cass? My, my wife went to Cass, so I, I got to represent her for a minute, you know. You but, know what? Uh, but nevertheless, we'll talk about that another time. But we anyway. don't have to talk about that. Right. Well, he went to, he went to <laughs> high school. That's where he went. <laughs> where did he go? I, it, I went to school, dang it on it. Anyway, so um, the lady would like to know, what year did you go to King? Oh, I'm class of 99. 
class of 99. Dang, that was like and last y'all, I, I got a birth, you know, this is Black History Month, but I got a birthday coming up on the 23rd. I will be the big 4-0. I'm actually excited about being 40, though. So I'm telling everybody I'm 40. I know women don't usually tell their age, but it took a lot for me to get here. So I'm happy for my 40 years. So. Good. Congratulations. You don't look a day over 20. Oh, you're just looking at my picture. You, I could be catfishing. <laughs> oh, I'm already no. That, 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 <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thank you. So I want to jump in with a question, though, um, on, on our topic. Um, I was really looking forward to us having someone from an older generation as well um, on our show uh, to have that perspective also. Uh, but we're definitely going to make that happen in the future. I, I have a couple people in mind that. Uh, could not have been here to be here tonight, but definitely in the future, maybe. But nevertheless, what do you guys feel? And so I'm going to start with you. Uh, She's been all quiet over there. Uh, start with you. What do you feel based off of studies that you've had uh, in the past in the civil rights movement uh, and what we've experienced this past summer, uh, spring, summer? What do you feel is kind of the big difference in in the two movements? Well, I guess, let me think. I think one of the biggest things um, is, of course, like social media plays like a huge role in this, um, in the Black Lives Matter movement, as opposed to like that then civil rights movement we didn't have much technology. Um, a lot of the things I saw, or even the ways I was able to even attend protests were through connecting through people with social media, a lot of the information I was finding out was through things like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and I feel like it helped just that communication with other people. I feel like it kind of helped like radicalize the movement in a way, seeing like actually seeing people's experiences during protests and seeing like how um, the police were treating protesters. And I think it just kind of like brought up the movement a bit more. Okay. David, what about you? From your studies from the civil rights movement uh, compared to this past spring summer, what do you feel is kind of the big difference? Well, I'll, 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 I'll add something. I don't know if Eric, I told you about this, but um, <clears throat> you talk about in study. Uh, I had gone on a, a Sankofa uh, back in 2006. Uh, this is with the Evangelical uh, Covenant Church. What they did is that it was a Scandinavian denomination that did a study back in 2002 of what they thought the church would look like 20 years from now. And the, the idea was is that they saw it as becoming not homogenized anymore, but blended, mixed multicultural so what the problem was though is because it was a basically a, a white denomination but they had other ethnic ethnic groups that wanted to come and become a part of their church so they felt what we need to do is address race first and how do we go about doing that when uh the blanketed idea is just that you just cover yourself with you know we're all one and you don't need to look at that color the color blindness but they they realized that wasn't going to work so they got with some uh african leaders 
put together a curriculum that is dynamite. I'm telling you, for a week, we flew from Seattle, Washington, to uh, Atlanta, Georgia. From Atlanta, Georgia, to Montgomery, Alabama, from Montgomery to Selma. And all during the ride, you got 40 people on a bus, all different generations. Got your 20-year-olds, your 30s. They did it purposely that way. All the way up to about, I think the oldest person was about 75, close to maybe 80. So you had different perspectives. And then they didn't want you to be like, you know, the uh, talking all that church stuff. You know, oh, the Lord go bless. Lord go bless. Yeah, yeah, Lord go bless. But once you see this Ku Klux Klan outfit. <laughs> Sorry. And once you... Once you see the white only sign and the black only sign and you go to the museum and you see the chains and the shackles. When I went over the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, you know, you go through, if you've ever gone on that tour, you go through step by step as the moments were happening, what happened at this time before that bloody Sunday thing. And you have to be in silence as you're holding each other's hands. So you got the Hispanic flag and you had to bunk with someone opposite your race the whole time. So you're not just kicking it with your click. You're actually having to engage with somebody after you see all these different types of things. I'm going I'm to share a uh, with you guys the website because they still do it now even though it's COVID it's probably a little bit different now but it's still something that it's ongoing and the idea is is reconciliation how do you bring people back together so we're marching over this bridge and we're going under the Alabama River beautiful this is in the fall so you got the, the, the beautiful different contrast the leaves and everything it's a little bit nippy and i'm imagining uh one of the batons that was uh police officers were holding because on that bridge was like kids older people white and black holding each other's hand and if that police officer struck a white kid or a black kid going over that bridge if the blood on the end of the baton was flung over the bridge into the Alabama River, if it could speak, what would it say? This was published in, uh, thank God I got this published in about 2015. It's called Blood in the Water. I'm just going to say it. I'll, I'll be quiet after that. Let me tell you of my descent and from where I came from a baton of wrath and hate as it swings. I'm not alone. I'm joined by others and we are one as all across the bridge were one. Each drop tells its own story. One says from the back I came. Another from the neck we came. Another from the mouth that yelled freedom, I came. All of us flung across the bridge, but not in vain. We yelled and screamed as the river approached, making our voice heard to the heavenly host, who saw the children and heard their cries and promised to wipe their weeping eyes. 
For the hands that hit and the feet that kick will one day face judgment. But for those who died on the bridge that day, their blood cries freedom to this very day. The river keeps flowing and the bridge is still there. Many cross the bridge and forget what happened there. But for those who remember their blood, it was flung from a baton of hate, cut from a heart full of love. Wow. That was written at like 1.46 in the morning. Now, mind you, we had just left the uh, Civil Rights <laughs> Museum and you're seeing, man, I, brother, I saw a, a Klan outfit with blood stains on it and you don't know what it took to keep me from going to smash the, it, it was just, it was an inundation, but at the same time, you got your white counterparts, and I'm getting to the, the question, which was the, the contrast from then to now. Well, we just saw batons again, not to mention tear gas and all the other different effects that they want to put to it. And my thing about black history, and I could be, I could be very wrong at this, is that we got a lot. Fortunately, with the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, and making our voices heard, but not just our voices alone, because it's going to take some white people to figure some things out. If it's just us, that's always that, like, uh, it'll always be a minuscule thing in the grand scope of things. We're always the back, the back burner for our issues, but where everything else is for forefront. But I don't think that's going to happen too much longer. Because uh, that this movement here is not all it can do is continue to get uh, momentum and move as 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 we see you know our white counterparts start to understand what's going on. And I, I keep putting the onus on them because I'm not racist. The thing about it is I'm, I just have to kind of deal with this society. Uh, but it's not one of those things where I was raised that way or you know, have to feel like, you know, I'm better than them. But it's just the idea that if you get enough Tim Wise, if you guys heard of him or uh, enough, uh, what is, what's, what's her name? Uh, Patty, one second. Her name is Patty McIntosh, which talks about white privilege. When you get, and the circles that I was in on that trip had a, uh, a sports writer for the Post Intelligence. He had been on the bus the whole time. This guy said at a debriefing, he said, I've, I've sat with Michael Jordan, Ken Griffey Jr. I've interviewed, I've even interviewed Muhammad Ali. This guy was like, had been in the paper business for about 30 years. And he said, but they never been at my house. I've never invited a black person. <laughs> I never sat at community because the, the, the table is a place of community where you sit and you eat and you talk. But it was the idea that I, that's my job, but that's not who I want to be associated in my life. And you talking about somebody that was apologizing over and over again, please, I'm going to understand what, I mean, because okay. there's a big, there's a reckoning that comes when, when, uh, 
when our white counterparts have to really see what the, the realities of these things are. So I, I, to, to answer that a second part of the question, I think that what has happened uh, with uh, our vice president being elected, with Kamala, Kamala, what is it, Kamala? Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. And the moves that have been made in this last, well, it's not 100 days, but I mean, Biden seems to be coming at it. And, and maybe uh, if, if uh, enough in the education and all these other aspects come into place, my goodness, what we could do uh, to change this thing. All right, well, definitely, definitely appreciate that. That was a very, very powerful story. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to just take a couple of minutes and just share some of my experiences that have happened. Uh, me being born in the early 70s, 1971, uh, first generation um, that was actually born up under, you know, the quote, equal, Rights Act, um, you know, Title IX was passed. You know, the out the uh, the outlawing of Jim Crow. When we, you know, we spoke about where we used to live over on the east side of Detroit. In my particular neighborhood, we were one of only four black families that were there um, in the early '80s. You know, it was a mixed, you know, culture, but there was still there was still some underlying racism that were there. Um, it, it just was disguised, I think, better. You know, as far as the perspective of what I have, I've experienced racism. I've been called, you know, niggas. I've been called, you know, you know, uh, monkeys go back to Africa and, and all of this other stuff. And that was something that was kind of just like a head scratch. Like, why are these people being so hostile? It's like, what, what, what did I do? You know, as I got as I got older, I understand that this is the uniform that I was assigned. I was assigned as a black person. I was assigned as a black man. And where things are better in terms of the movement now versus what was going on in is that there are more young people that are participating in the movement for equal rights than were during my age. Typically, you know, it was like parents or it maybe it was even like a mixed couple. But now, regardless of what the ethnicity is, you get the vast majority of people you know, that are coming up in like the younger generation. So it was like, well, this is just like wrong. It's like a person is a person. So I feel I feel now that the mobilization of technology, you know, we get to see things from a global perspective. You know, the George Floyd situations that happened. We, we wouldn't have been aware of those situations or at least it wouldn't have had the impact because we were seeing this in real time. You know, the media has really done uh, a job, whether some people feel that it was good or bad, of publicizing the injustices that were that are going on in, in the minority communities. So, James, to answer that question, I think that the biggest thing is the ability to communicate. Now, it's a shame that we had to result to like rioting and, and things of that nature in order to get our point across. But all of these things were happening con you know, consistently at the same time. So, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking that our younger generations, they definitely are taking the lead at a definitely at an earlier age to make sure that all of this stuff is snuffed out. Mm. And I would like definitely say that our passion just comes from a, I mean, first of all, we saw this, we read about these things like Rodney King, but then to actually experience them yourself, I think I was like 15 or 16 when the whole Trayvon Martin thing happened and he was only like a year older than me. 
So I know that was the first time a lot of my friends became radicalized because it was like, wow, that could have been one of us. Um, and like you said, just being having access to the whole world, you know, we have access to all this information and other races do too. So I feel like that's another reason why maybe we're seeing more other like people of color and white people join in on the movement too, because um, they're just able to access so much more information about like the history of black people and our history of like police brutality. Awesome. Spencer, you had something you want to add as well. Thank you, Basola, for uh, sharing that. I, I'm Real quick before Spencer jump in, I totally agree with you, Basola, on technology. That's a huge um, uh, catalyst for everything that goes on. I can't imagine what it was like to try to organize, you know, during the civil rights movement. Obviously, they, they were successful because they had large, you know, uh, numbers, you know, but uh, it would have been so much easier if they had technology at that time. So you're, you're one of so right. And I agree with you on that. Spencer. Hey, hey. so I just wanted to uh, say that, um, one, you, you said the differences between like the generational differences between the civil rights movement in the sixties versus what we're seeing now. Right. That's the question. I just want to make sure I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I was just thinking like, yeah, you know, our hometown is from Detroit. We got roots in Detroit. So y'all know that I don't remember when the rights was is the 66 when the rights was here or the 60s? That was the 68. Oh, 68. Mm -hmm. Right. So you know that devastated a lot of our neighborhoods and that we're still reeling from the riots then when they were fighting uh racism back then. So I had a thought the other day, like, would Martin Luther King or would Malcolm X be the face of BLM or would they support it? And I thought about the fact that the church, number one, they were, had two different religions. I think Malcolm was Muslim, right? And uh, MLK was a church, I mean, a Christian. He was a Baptist minister, so Christianity. Christian, okay, right. So I thought about whose ideas might fit, and I thought, you know, not really, probably neither one of them, because each, both of those religions were male-dominated, like the men were in the forefront because the church, the way the church is set up, you know, the men are take the lead in the congregation, the lead take the lead in the church. And since the church was so involved in the movement in the sixties, when you see them walking locked hand to hand, notice the first couple rows, they're mostly men. Um, with the BLM movement, the co-founder mm -hmm. happens to be an extra Jehovah witness like me. And, you know, I took my activism in a different direction, obviously, she she uh, took her activism to a different direction, and it's now worldwide. Uh, her and two other uh, women that she started the movement with, I think her name is, ugh, is it Patrice? I, it'll come to me. But anyway, um, yeah. So the, I think I noticed the you know a lot of people say when they talk about oh Black History Month, I like to say that we're making history right now. Like what we're, you know, we, we need to be talking about now. I'm not saying that we can't learn from our past. Obviously, our past is the blueprint for what we're doing right now and what we're doing. But the, the I think the movement needs to be modernized anyway. You know, a lot of what we we saw this past uh, year let us know, or this administration let us know that the ugly sting of racism is, is still there. Just people just needed the opportunity to be able to express it publicly, openly, just be openly racist. But they obviously they didn't just become racist because Trump was in office. So I just say, I think that 
also another difference is the whole movement is not about one person. Like when you think about civil rights, you think about Malcolm X, you think about uh, mostly Martin Luther King, because you know y'all white folks in the minute be like, y'all need to be peaceful about Martin Luther King. And we'll, that's a different subject altogether, because we know Martin Luther yeah. King, even though they've sanitized him and whitewashed his history a lot, he was a radical. You gotta listen yeah. to him. Um, but yeah, so now I hear, I haven't read anything, but I hear that the Black Lives Movement is up for a Nobel Peace Prize, whereas Martin Luther King just got one. So I think it's more inclusive, it's worldwide. We saw people in London, I have a friend who's in Britain, who was a, was in the White Lives Matter crew, but had a change, y'all, like a come to Jesus moment, and organized a protest in the UK where they were racist towards her and they weren't even black. They was mad at her saying, why are you doing this? And they're over there writing. And you know, the, you, we heard all the racist tropes over and over again about, but you know, there's a Instagram, I'm just gonna close it because I don't want to keep talking, but rambling, but the Instagram that I follow, it is it gives you, it's, I'm gonna have to see if I can find it, but the, um, I've been watching clips of just old, of people in the news, uh, just old clips, you know, of media back in the 60s versus what we're seeing now. And you would be surprised that even back then white people were saying, I don't really know. I know they moved, I think in one video they were integrating the white neighborhood. And she was like, well, I don't know what whites, what rights they looking for. They already have rights as Americans anyway. What do they need extra rights for? And I just thought to myself like, wow, they were walking through back doors, drinking at separate fountains. And she still was saying that we, why do we need extra rights? We have grown leaps and bounds from there. We're not walking through back doors now. We own the businesses. We, Billionaires, you know, I'm thinking Jay Z, billionaires, billionaire boy club, you know what I'm saying? So we've grown, grown in more wealth. We have more generational wealth um, now. And like I said, the movie's just modernized. I really hope they win the Nobel Peace hmm. Prize. I think it was uh, the movement worldwide spurred so many protests in so many different places. That is why uh, it was nominated. And I just think now it's about everybody not just one person. Like you're gonna have to kill all of us like you did, not just killing Martin and Malcolm. You know what, that's, that, you, you raised some really, really interesting points and um, uh, have my mind thinking on some questions. First question I have, and you kind of didn't touch on this, but it, it came up, is do you guys think that, so Martin Luther King, he has his, his day. Uh, we celebrate that and fought tooth and nail to get that to be a federal holiday. You guys feel that um, Malcolm X should have a day as well? Absolutely, but it'll never happen. It'll never happen because they demonized Malcolm. I mean, I was just watching. I don't know if y'all just watched um, on MLK. They dropped. I'm sorry, I'm talking again. <laughs> I just no, I didn't realize fine. I did. Okay, so they dropped the uh, the the. After all this time, we got some FBI tapes, right? Uh, and I think they wrapped this all up in a movie that they dropped on MLK. K day this year, you will be surprised how not only we knew the FBI was racist, but it was personal. Like mm -hmm. they were trying to enact their privilege, uh, bully him, and you know whether he was cheating or not, I don't know. 
but it could have been a smear campaign. But when you actually look at the documents, they were actually not just going after him because of the movement and they felt like this, he was just getting popular. They felt like he would politically would be uh, have political power and possibly even be president. Mm-hmm. So it was just weird. It was just, it was just, it has so many layers to it. I really strongly recommend it. It made me mad at Hoover, who was at the FBI, head of the FBI at the time. And then, you know, some of these presidents that, you know, they whitewash history, you revere. And then you hear them say, you know, racist stuff when they, you know, when the camera's off and the tapes is rolling in the uh, White House or the uh, Oval Office or whatever. It's it's hurtful. It's hurtful. So, yeah. Um, no, I, I think I don't I don't think they wanted neither one of them. But I watched a documentary about what happened to Malcolm X's on Netflix. Uh, it just gives you straight facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it even showed footage of him being followed around them having guns at his rally, just standing there, just trying to intimidate him while he's speaking. And he kind of looking over at them and trying to speak. And, but he, he, he know they coming at trying to come after him after he leaves. It was, it was just eye opening. Like you read about it, but to actually see the media, it's, it's just, it's something It's powerful. You, you so know, I have two questions. The first one is to viewers. Uh, and, and as you respond, I definitely will put it up on the screen. So the viewers out there, who else besides uh, Martin Luther King Jr. do you feel should have their day? And uh, if if Malcolm X is one of those people, just go ahead and, and mention who you think should have a day to the viewers. Uh, but Spencer, I want to come back to something you mentioned about BLM, and I want to hear Priscilla and David, and then Eric, I'm going to put my microphone to the side. Um, it's in regards to the BLM movement, what would you guys like to see different if anything, and so we'll start with you. What would you like to see different about the movement, if anything? And if you want to see it stay the same, but uh, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, is that a question to me? Uh, we're going to start with Busola, and then oh, we'll I'm come sorry, to you next. No, okay. Fine. Start with Busola, we'll come to you, Spencer. We'll end with David. Um, so one thing I guess I would like to see different is first of all um just making that uh, like differentiation between the movement and the organization i feel like a lot of people think they're the same and it's completely different um also amplifying more black women's voices um often sometimes i know at least the protest i was at there are a lot of like men getting up there and talking, um, but I would have wished to see more women, especially since we were also protesting for Beyonce Taylor, you know, because it affects black women too. Um, that's a really good question. I just think, and then I wish within the movement that we could have more cohesion. I feel like there are so many Black people who are on different spectrums of things. Like, I know that there's some Black people who are very against writing and some people who are very for it. So I just wish we could just have more cohesion and unity within the movements. And one thing I really like about it, though, is that we don't have one designated leader. Um, like we were talking about, um, as opposed to the civil rights movement, I think just having it just be movement and representing everybody, that's a pretty good thing. But yeah. 
Okay, awesome, Spencer. Um, can I keep it real? Because I might offend somebody, and I'm not trying to offend nobody. Okay. Please do. Like you said, uh, and I'm sorry. Um, I don't. I can't pronounce your name. Is it? Uh, I'm Bissola. sorry. But, yeah, Bissola, um was saying that there's a difference between the grassroots movement and then the actual organization. Like, I personally don't associate, I mean, I think it's great that she's an extra hope witness and she's doing all of this stuff, but I don't really associate myself with the movement per se, because I feel like white people was out there acting a the fool in the name of Black Lives Matter and a lot of these uh, riots. Like, I, I, when I look at the riots, like it talking about Antifa, Anti I'm I'm not seeing not one black person that looks Antifa. I'm sorry. And um also Sean King. I love to hate Sean King, my light skinned brother. I do. I love to hate him, but I do think he should that the founders should be more open with, about their finances. And so for those reasons, I feel like I am down with the movement always and forever, because I'm black 24-7, 365. But the organization, no, y'all never get none of my money. I would send, I'd rather send it to a GoFundMe to somebody like Brianna Taylor's family or somebody. So that's where I'm at with that. Sorry. Okay. No, awesome. Awesome. David, what about you? What changes would you like to see made with um, Black Lives Matter, if any? I don't know how they could do it, uh, but the cooperation with NAACP, how that works, uh, the other elements that are out there, because the thing about Black Lives Matter is because they are, I mean, look, they got a boulevard. I mean, they, they I mean, they, they like, they, they didn't done so much in such a fast uh, pace that those uh, rooted NAACP and whatever else, which, you know, for the most part, I mean, it's funny. I'm just going to say this. I was talking to a co-worker today. He's younger than me. I said, uh, he's about 25, I think. I said, what does Black History Month mean to you? <laughs> and he looked at me. He's black. He looked at me and said, well, what have they done for me? I mean, what what, what has, what? I don't know. I, I, could, I could give a F. And I'm thinking... I wasn't going to respond like that, but I was like, wow, to the extent that the millennials, now there is a, you know, there's a mixed bag. You got those that are active and, you know, coming to an idea of what this whole thing is about. And then there's a lot of our people that are still like, okay, Black Lives Matter is out there, but it ain't changed my pay. It hasn't changed my, you know, the quality issues and things like that. So, I'm hoping, and, I, and I'm still new at the whole Black Lives Matter movement. I'm, I'm totally for them because I, I, I believe what it is that they're doing is right. But I think that there needs to be, because when you hear them on PBS or you hear them on, uh, what is their, what's their name? Uh, when they're interviewing the, the head of it, the media will turn it into, well, you know, you don't want to exclude white people from what it is that you're doing. So how do you include white people in what you're doing? And they're saying, well, we, we don't have a problem with them wanting to become a part of us, but it's exclusively to represent a people that has not had representation all the way fully. So, 
you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm hoping that because they will get the Nobel Peace Prize. They, they, they mentioned this the other day. I think they've already, you know, they, they're the whole everything that goes pop and circumstance that goes with it. They're going to get it. It's just after that, I think what they should do is get into the schools with a curriculum or some type of something that changed because even school is about to change i think a lot of the, the the instruments that they use the different type of you know how school has always been school it ain't gonna be school like it was no more because they need to learn about uh, how to do a checkbook how to deal with anxiety there's a lot of different issues that are complex now that back in the day you know just go get a job and you'll be fine well now you need to know about how come systemic racism has been what it has been bring a black lives matter person in there bring an NAACP bring somebody some professor something i mean there just needs to be a little bit more of a cuz otherwise it's just protest they're good for the protest but we need the backing of others as well to get policy changes and and and, and things like that so i don't know i don't think that answered it but that's the best i could get All right, Eric, what you got? Uh, I got one final closing question, but what you got before we get to that? Uh, we're coming up to our hour. Um, as far as who I think should get their own holiday, um, I think it would be Barack Obama. Um, if I had to just look at everything, I know that there are other people that did what may, people may have considered they may have done more things. You know, Rosa Parks, you know, honestly, she's not the first person and no slight to Rosa because she's definitely a legend and she definitely is a pioneer. But Rosa is wasn't the first person to stand up, you know, for, um, you know, for rights. Hey, I pay my money. I should be able to sit where she wants. All throughout history, there were always someone who did it first. They may not have gotten the notoriety, you know, that a Rosa Parks or even a Malcolm X or a Martin Luther King. We could even take Martin Luther King Sr., who was a civil rights activist you know, and a minister. So his his dad doesn't really get a lot of um, a lot of mention during the course of history. But Martin Luther King Jr. got his idea and, and took the path that his father had initiated. You know, the Marcus Garvey's of the world. Uh, yeah, definitely Harriet Tubman is somebody who's definitely deserving of her own holiday. I believe she was the first uh, African-American woman to get her own stamp. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of people who don't get the shine that they should. But yeah, I'm thinking if we had to Think about somebody who was the first on a global perspective, Barack Obama. That would be my first choice. And then followed by Harriet Tubman, um, that would be my second choice. Okay. Awesome. Did you have any other questions for the panel, Eric, before we move to the final question? Um, no. Um, just wanted to thank everybody for their participation. And we're not going to keep you guys too much longer. So we're going to let James ask his question. Um, and then you know, we'll go ahead and, and get out of here. Thanks See, that's that stuff. I, one mm -hmm. quick second, Spencer. That's the stuff I'm talking about. My name is on the show, and he said he's gonna let me ask a question. Yeah, you know what? I, I got something for you, Eric. Here, mute. Thank you. Spencer, what were you saying? First of all, don't be muting Eric. That's what I'm about to say. Thank you. Don't mute Eric. Yeah, yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> Since you said I, earlier, you said on the podcast I had his back earlier. So yeah, right, I mentioned him first. Or, mentioned him first or something. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't about to say nothing. I was just agreeing with you. You know how StreamYard has that weird delay sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
So, Basola, um, coming to you once again. Uh, Spencer, uh, I'll come to you. And, and David, you kind of touched on uh, some of this already as well. Um, but Basola Spencer, uh, in regards to Black History Month, how would you like to see it change? We talked about a lot about past, present. Uh, where would you like to see it go in the future? What direction? Well, first of all, because um, you actually brought this up earlier, first of all, I'd like it to be celebrated like in or taught in every school. I know that's just a dream, but I do think it's really important. I mean, some schools don't even acknowledge the month, and I think we need to change that. Yeah. Um, other ways. I think just doing what we're doing now i don't i feel like black history month has evolved so much from when i was in school which wasn't that long ago but um because now i feel like again with social media we're learning so much more and people are now not afraid to like claim like they're black and they're so proud of their heritage and so i actually like the way it's going just being a month just about blackness and celebrating who we are as people so as long as it keeps going in that direction, I think it'd be really good. And a quick add on to that, should there even be a Black History Month? Oh yeah, definitely for me. Like I know some people are like, you know, every day should be Black History Month. And I do, I mean, every month should be Black History Month. But And I do agree with that, but I think having one month just dedicated to us, like to me, you know, it's important you know um these kids nowadays they need to know like their history and everything black people have been through and just having one month dedicated to that i think it's like still really helpful for them and then even outside of that they can like take their interest and research more but just having that one stable like month to just focus on it i think it'd be good okay spencer your thoughts on those two questions i'm sorry can you repeat them again i think you were saying something i forgot about modern civil rights. I forgot. I, I got kids. That's a key I'm yelling at them when I hit mute. <laughs> so the question is, is how, would you like to see Black History Month take on a different um, form, if you will, moving forward, still oh, yeah, stay yeah, the yeah. same? And also, do we even need to have Black History Month? Okay, so the, to the first question, I'm a, oh, the, I'll ask your second question first. I do think, I agree with her. Uh, I know people say we should have it every day, but you know how the All Lives Matter crew is. They'll be like, all all days matter. No, no, I don't even want to have that conversation with them. Let's just keep it how it is. Um, the first question is modernizing the movement. Uh, it, our sister here was saying how is you know people are being proud of their heritage. It was a boomer that do you remember like in in our history books we talk about in the sixties and seventies where you know, they stood on the Olympic stand with the Black Power fist. You know, and there were, it, there, you know, we get waves that in dips and waves. It comes in waves, but you know, even though it's good to learn about our history, like I said, we're making history too. So I, there's other issues that affect Black people besides uh, just getting equal treatment in the eyes of the law, like housing discrimination. Um, unequal pay in the workplace. Um, I'm trying to think of some things. Um, healthcare, yes. 
those are the, I think those are the civil rights of our day. You know, not just, you know, we're not trying to get through the front door anymore. They get, we got a seat at the table. I mean, we're getting to the seat, some of us, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the seat at the table. I mean, Kamala, like um, David said earlier, you know, is in a position where she at the table. She's, uh, um, if, you know, I guess if Joe Biden is the free leader of the world, would that make her the second free leader? I don't know how that works, but basically she's in a very powerful position. I like to think that a lot of people say that Barack didn't do a lot for us. You know, I, I'm hopeful for the best. I'm not saying I don't, I'm not one of those people. I think he did the best he could under the circumstances. So let's leap even forward from Barack. Let's do something even more radical than Barack this time under this administration. Now that we've had this movement to spearhead them into the White House, I hope they don't forget about the blood in the streets. Mm. So on a on a lighter note, um, I've often been... No, 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 you're fine. No, not on a lighter note from what you're saying, just from my line of questioning. Um, I've often been asked... Uh, as a mixed person, do I celebrate half the month of uh, Black History Month? So uh, my question to you all, should I celebrate half the month or do I get to celebrate the whole month? Celebrate the whole year. <laughs> That's a great answer, Eric. Celebrate the whole year because you know what, just knowing, uh, and I'm sorry to jump out of turn, but the Black History Month didn't even start out as a month. It actually started out as a week. It was known hmm. as what Negro uh, Heritage Week, the second week in February back in 1926. Mm -hmm. And what, what really just kind of just like irked me is that when you looked at it, the reason why they chose that because it was the week of Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Now me knowing what was going on with Abraham Lincoln and the uh, Apaxination Proclamation and the whole free end of the slaves thing, it was a numbers game. So Abraham Lincoln wasn't some great liberator. He did that because he needed more people to help him fight the South in, in the Civil War. And it just really just pissed me off every time I think about that, because it's like the facts are not being presented the way that they should be. You have to dig upon these things. So do I think that we should have a month? Yeah, I think we should have a month to highlight our struggles. Now, if other ethnicities want to go pick out a month, then they can go pick themselves out a month and they can go celebrate their heritage with as much pride as we do ours. So if we have 12 months worth of, you know, different, you know, cultural, it could be a cultural swap because I don't know a lot about other cultures. Obviously, I'm an expert on my own, but I would love to know more of like what the Hispanics, you know, had to go through, what the you know, people over in the Far East had to go through what the folks over in Australia had to go through. I am open to that. But for somebody to say that we don't need to have a month that highlight us, it's it's it could be known as Black Pride Month. I don't know. I don't know if the term Black History Month offends people. But I mean, I mean, come on now. I mean, we're, we're just as much as part of this earth as, as everybody else. So we absolutely need to highlight our accomplishments because we for damn sure get the, the the bad things that are highlighted in the African-American community. So let's just go ahead and put a global focus on what we bring to the table, what we bring to society, the way that we've bettered mankind um, since the creation of Earth. So now I'm done with my soapbox moment, James. I apologize for talking out of turn, but I just had to get it off my chest. Amen. That'll preach. I was, I was about to say, where's the uh, collection plate? You know, it's all good. <laughs> Well, <laughs> wouldn't you know? Can I can I just add one thing real quick? Please. 
there's a couple things that are coming that HR twelve forty two. Do your research. You got uh, there's a the reparations is on the table. That's something that I'm thinking in about five years they're gonna do it. I know that sounds crazy. That's a whole nother that's a whole nother topic. But there's some good things that are coming uh, as well. So you know that that will pretty much answer some of what we've been talking about. Awesome, awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just read a I just read a message uh, that said, "How about cash out?" I just read a message that said, I want my money. But uh, mm-hmm. anywho, all right, Eric, you got anything else? Um, yeah, actually, I do. Um, so we got some football fans in the house. Defense? I do a little bit. I'm, I, I actually won a, my first. I entered a, what you call that? Those little leagues. Somebody See, was, know what it's called. I know, but I won. Football. And it was like, oh yeah, I did it the first time, and I won the belt the first time. All the all the little guys in their little club was like mad. I like be mad. I know what I was doing. I I, try, I just you know I did what I could. I won though. Well, we definitely need to go have Spence in a, in a square uh, pool for sure. So if she just had like that blind beginner's luck. Oh, well, come on, it wasn't luck. <laughs> it's a little okay. bit talent. It was talent. Um, Spence, you saw our earlier episode that we did our special uh, lunchtime edition where James and I had per- prepared our Super Bowl menu draft. Uh, yes, and I was very disappointed that James does not like sour cream ch- cheddar chips or something. That was just no, 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 no. Outrageous. Okay, it, see, it's the story behind this: the <laughs> cheddar cheese or whatever it is. Really quick, cheddar cheese and sour cream ruffles. No, this is the reason why. Really, super quick. So Eric and I, we've been friends for a very, very, very long time. My very first car was a 1985 Pontiac Sunbird. Me and Eric has always been on the bigger side. Eric's tall. I got a little height to me, got a little weight to me, whatever. So me and Eric in the same car, in that car, it was always a tight fit. And every time we used to hang out, no matter what we were doing, he would always get a bag of those chips, and it smelled up my car to the highest. Okay, they do smell. They do smell. You right on that. They do. That bag open, it's like, ugh. And I'm not going to tell him not to buy it, but guess what? I I pay my wife back for all his transgressions uh, because I I like to eat pork rinds, and she hates the smell of those. So I pay pay her back for his transgressions. So sorry, honey, but it's your fault, Eric. That that explains that not upside your head, huh? Is <laughs> that not upside your head because she probably smacked you with those pork rinds? Eric, your spinach dip toys, right on point. Well, thank you. Um, so, uh, among the things that I like to eat, um, what we'd like to have at my Super Bowl party is the let me see, that was my glazed honey glazed chicken, honey glazed wing dings specifically. So, right now, excuse me, Eric, we need you three to cast your vote on who has the better Super Bowl party spread. So we got to make this official. Go ahead, Eric, with yours. Okay. So we already mentioned the Ruffles uh, potato chips, cheddar cheese, and sour cream. Uh, White Castle. Mm-mm-mm. Definitely. <laughs> crystals can't hold them justice. Um, I've got French fries, uh, spinach dip. What was my, what was my pick? I'm missing. Uh, French fries, White Castle, potato chips, and honey glazed wing dings. That was your five. Yep. 
So th those are my five. And then not to mention um, James, his his thing just absolutely just sucks. So we will go ahead and let James raffle his off. But yeah, it, it, it's not going. It's not hitting on nothing. It's so I got I got buffalo wings. Okay. I got uh, Hawaiian roll sliders. That ham, Swiss cheese, and caramelized onion. I then got a little potato skins with some sour cream, some bacon bits, uh, and cheese, of course. I also got tater tot screws with bacon. And then I got some mac and cheese pizza bites. So that's what you have having mm -hmm. at my Super Bowl party. So you can only go to one house. Whose house are you coming over? David, whose house are you coming over? <laughs> oh, you going to put us on the spot now. <laughs> oh, man. See, you had me, Eric, until you said, I, I, you know I'm down for White Castle, but you know you know, after about 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, you better eat those White Castles in the fourth quarter because if you yeah. in the first half. I've got some terms for you. That house is okay, going to smell like my sunburn. In that case, I'll go ahead. And keep in mind, I'm going to have more than one bathroom in my party, too. Oh my god. So you and stuff uh, on. So all right, David going no, to Eric. So it's, it's Busola. Who whose house you going to? Be careful because you really do come to my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna bribe you like that. Correct. Oh man. <laughs> it's getting deep. It's crucial. Someone's gonna be mad today. Um I I really love spinach dip and I really love white castle. Oh my girl. <laughs> wow. Girl. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jay. No, no, I got a comment for this. Spencer, what you who who you voting for? Uh I love spinach dip, but I'm a big macaroni and cheese fan. The macaroni and cheese bites sound good, so I'm gonna have to try those. I'll I'll be going to your house. So so thank you, Spencer, because you just secured my win. Had you would go gone the other way, it would have been a tie. And I'd have had to kick all y'all off the show. Uh, <laughs> the macaroni cheese bite saved you because it was the spinach dip. That's that's tough. That's rough right there. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, 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 yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is a major upset. I agree, Soleil. And but wait a minute. We got Adam just chimed in. Yeah, he he did. So you know what? All y'all not welcome on the Ear Hustle Podcast <laughs> podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just get James off. James, James see, will be a two week hiatus. <laughs> see, I'm trying to give y'all steak and y'all choosing sardines. I get it. It's all good. <laughs> you know what? Hey, it, it, it's all about the White Castle. You know, the, hey. Hey, you know what? Why do you think Harold and Kumar, you know, had to go way down there to find them some White Castles? Oh, see, see the, godfather the godfather of podcasting just said mac and cheese all day. So I don't know. We're going to have to recount this. It, it might be tied again. But yeah, anywho. We'll, we'll definitely, right. but you, you can't go wrong. One of our uh, people said that uh, they was going to like come to my house, but um, have some uh, something grub up. Yeah, yeah. Alvin said he's going to come to your house, but he's going to, uh, no, he said if he came to your house, he had to order DoorDash. <laughs> Okay. Well, All right. Tell, so, um, no, I'm sorry. Please go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 no. So, you want to go to do the um, the uh, your 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 predictions? Yes. Um, we're just going to get everybody's predictions real quick on who will be winning the Super Bowl. Are we going to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win in their home stadium, or will the Juggernauts, the Kansas City Chiefs? wind up winning the Super Bowl. Um, we'll go ahead and start with David. What would be your pick? You know they're going to give Golden Boy his little thing. 
Yeah, they it's all set up for him. Tom Brady gonna take it. You think so? Yeah. Why? Just because it happens to be at their home stadium? Nah, it, it's great. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of. I mean, I I know Mahomes is off the hook, but I I just got this feeling. I don't know. And then he gonna retire probably after that. Yeah, I don't think Tom's retiring. <laughs> but I mean, you never know. All right, so we got one one vote for the the Bucks. Spent, I know, Busola, you said you're not really a fan, so okay. So Kansas City Chiefs, okay, are they the one that wear the red and white oh, uniforms? Lord. Seriously, <laughs> Jesus, take the football. And Tom Brady is the one that always speaking on politics, but they told LeBron to shut up. Yeah, is that that guy? Sounds like I'm you. serious. Like eleven to five, I know his record only because they talk about it like this year. But the, I think I don't know Kansas, but I don't like Tom Brady, so I'm going with Kansas. Whoa! You don't like All Tom right. Brady? I, I don't like him personally. It's personal. Oh, don't yeah. know. Well, you know, he's a, he went to the University of Michigan, so I gotta support Tom. Oh, did, uh, he went to U of M, but you know what? He was. I, I don't know. This this I, I told you I'm looking at a lot of people sideways after this BMW and Trump thing. I need some time to heal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Uh, understood. So for me, uh, I'll make my prediction, and Eric, and I'll let you. Uh, of course, you're gonna finish it off as usual. Um, I really want. I, I'm. I, I like Tom Brady. I really do. I love the fact that he left the Patriots organization, went to another organization. Year one took him to the Super Bowl. I love that. Everyone used to say who. Um, who is the heart of that team? Is it Brady or Belichick? I think we know the answer now. However, with all that being said, I got to go with the Chiefs. I like my boy Pat Mahomes uh, to have two Super Bowl rings in, what, three, four years? Mm-hmm. That's that's an accomplishment. He could definitely take over um, Brady's empire and be the next golden boy of the league. So I'm, I'm going with my light-skinned brethren, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, y'all got similar hair, so I figured you'd roll with him. Yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> and why did you get mad? Because, first of all, was I that shot early? Because I was just saying your hair was beautiful, and you said something like, oh, at least my hair is all – I got all my hair or something. My, my, my hair is real. Did you say that in your last <laughs> oh, no, podcast? No, 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 no. Not to you. Eric was talking about he got nice hair, too, or something. No, it wasn't to you. That was, that was an Eric thing. Dang, oh, okay. I, was, I, I was I was I was about to say I have you know brother that my weave is gone. I, I'm on that shroud. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm totally down now. It looks like the uh, Godfather has his prediction. Did you uh, see it? I I put it up there. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, oh, I have control. See, see how that works. Uh, one more time. One more time. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I can't count. All right. So you ready for your pick, Eric? Uh, yes, I am. So here is my Super Bowl pick, ladies and gentlemen. Every week, he has not made the pick himself. He let this damn will make the pick. And damn so far, and damn accurate. Too, no has what I say? You know what? He had Tampa Bay on on both sides. Oh, did I really? <laughs> well, hey, when you have Tom Brady, that's all you need. All right, so one last thing. So first of all, actually we can uh we can uh uh actually no, I, I want you guys to be a part of this. Eric, move that damn screen. Oh, there it is. All right. 
Um, <laughs> thank you all for being part of the show. Spencer, spontaneous guest. I, I really appreciate that. We really do. Thanks for having me. I watch y'all every time y'all come on. I, I told y'all pause the Pistons game the other day. So we appreciate I, that. We ended up. No, we lost that game. No, they won that one. Which one was that? The Pistons and uh, the Lakers. That's when they beat the Lakers. Wasn't that's it? right. It was the Lakers. Yeah. So you know, yeah. We were trying to take away our accomplishments. My you know, man. <laughs> But thank you guys for being on the show. Like I said, Spencer being a spontaneous guest, Busola taking time to be a part of the show. Uh, David, definitely appreciate it. Uh, we want to take this opportunity. Thank you for all the viewers uh, who participate in the show as well. Uh, very engaged today. Definitely appreciate that. Um, but Eric and I want to take a brief moment and tell you all and kind of advertise for our show next week. Uh, we're, we're actually going to kind of have a uh, somewhat of a celebrity on next week. Not that you guys aren't popular. We all know who y'all are too. But um, I want to take this opportunity and see if you all know anything about this person. So give me a second. Here we go. Well, obviously we have a rapist in Lincoln Park. He's climbing up windows, he's snatching up people up, trying to rape them, so you need to hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife, you can't hide your husband, you're raping everybody out here. You don't have to come and confess, nothing for you, we gon' find you, we gon' find you, so you can run and tell that, run and tell that, run and tell that, oh boy, oh, oh, oh boy. We got your t-shirt to the left, raise your friends and all you are so dumb. You are really gone, for real. The man got away, living behind evidence. I was attacked by some idiot in the project. So dumb, so dumb, so dumb, so dumb. He's climbing your windows, he's snatching your people up. Trying to rape them, so y'all need to hide your kids. Hide your wife, hide your kids. Hide your wife, hide your kids. Hide your wife, and hide your husband. Because they're raping everybody out here. You don't have to come and confess. We're looking for you. We gon' find you. We gon' find you. So you can run and tell that. Run and tell that. We'll, we'll hold off there. Does anyone remember Mr. Antoine Dotson? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. for sure. Antoine will be on our show next week. So we are looking forward to that one. So uh Big Ben know the songs. Big Ben might have might have produced that song. Uh, <laughs> but uh once again, though, thanks once again. Thank you all for being on the show. Really appreciate your your, your time this evening and input. Uh definitely loved hearing a different perspective from everyone. Eric. Hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, you heard it from our mouths to your ears. Thank you for being on the show, everyone, and thanks for listening. Stay safe, America. Mm -hmm. Bye, everyone.